Welcome to Inside Centera, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of your favorite co-op as we discuss all things ag, including energy and grain markets, animal nutrition, crop advice, and much more. Thanks for joining us. I'm Don Daniels, here with Jen Ward, our producer, and our very first guest, Susie Spettle, Grain Origination here at Centera Co-op. Susie, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here to Centera. Well, I grew up on a grain farm in Heron County. My family raised corn, beans, wheat, and oats. Um, we did have some cattle in my younger years, too. I still live in Heron County with uh, my husband and three daughters, 24, 21, and 10. Our oldest, Caitlin, she's left the nest, and she's living down by Columbus with her fiancé. She's uh, in vet tech school at Columbus State and halfway to earning her degree. The middle one, Morgan, is graduating this week from dental hygiene school at Owens Community College in Toledo, and then she'll start her big girl job. And the youngest, Brenna, will be going into sixth grade next year. Uh, she's active in 4-H and volleyball, so that all keeps us busy. Um, how I got where I am now, my senior year I started working at our local co-op doing whatever they needed me to do, um, office work, grading grain and dumping grain, loading trains, mixing fertilizer, filling anhydrous tanks. Um, I tried running the dry fertilizer machine once, which I did not enjoy. I eventually worked my way into an office position there and was asked to help answer phones in the grain department where it just kind of evolved from there. Um, I stayed with the local co-op for about 21 years before coming to Centera in 2017. I really only focused on origination there until I came to Centera, where I eventually started handling the sales and logistics to the local feed mills. Um, so I dabble in some merchandising and logistics, but my focus remains on origination. Um, I did go through a period where I thought I might want to go back to school and become a math teacher, but when COVID hit... Um, I had to become a, a teacher overnight and teach second grade math, so I'm thankful God didn't lead me down that path. Wow, second grade math. What did you learn during that? Uh, well, second grade math, I learned that is it's hard. Um, there were a lot of times I had to go to Google to help me out, and sometimes Google couldn't even help me out. So that just proved to me that uh, math is hard and that I probably did not want to go down that path. So now you're scaring me. So you're working in our grain office where it's all about math. And now you're telling me math is hard. I use a calculator faithfully <laughs> and double check. So what's going on in the grain markets right now, Susie? Uh, mainly what we're watching right now is the weather, obviously. Uh, Western Belt's been pretty dry and planting activity progressed pretty rapidly there. Um, but as we know here in Ohio, we experienced a cold, wet period that kept us uh, sitting on our hands for about a week. So we are um, a little bit behind pace currently. This week looks uh, good weather-wise, so we should get a lot accomplished. Um, with the activity in the Western Belt, even though Ohio, the Dakotas, Minnesota, were a little bit behind, total U.S. planting um, is a bit ahead of the five-year average. Monday, USDA showed the total U.S. crop planted at 65%, with 59 being the average, so a little ahead of pace. Uh, beans uh, were 49% planted, with 36% being the five-year average. Um, so right now, there's really not much of a delayed planting concern in the U.S. We will continue to watch the Dakotas and Minnesota, um, as they, they're probably the most behind right now. That area has been concerned from the start with them having so much snow coverage into the end of April. Um, so another thing we're been, we've been watching is the South American crop. Argentina had an extremely dry growing season this past year. Um, we continue to see cuts to their production numbers. 
But Brazil, on the other hand, had a good growing season weather, um, and they're experiencing what we're calling um, a record crop so far. So um, from the beginning, it was believed that Brazil's big crop would more than compensate for the shortfall in Argentina, and that is becoming evident now that they're wrapping up harvest in those regions. Um, I've been saying it for a while that South America is going to be big competition for U.S. on exports this year um, because they'll have the abundant supply, they're the cheaper grain, um, and they're making better relations with China. So the first few weeks of April, we saw numerous flash sales of corn to China, uh, U.S. corn to China, as they were rebuilding their stocks. Um, We did see a couple bean sales, and at that point it did give prices some support um, and on hopes that those sales would continue. Um, After about 14 straight days of corn sales announcements, uh, that dried up. And then we, over the next two weeks, we saw some cancellations from China. And it's believed that they are probably canceling the U.S. sales and will repurchase those bushels at some point from Brazil. Um, They still got about, China still has about 100 million metric ton of U.S. grain on the books. So some are wondering um, how much of that could still get canceled and switch to South America. Um, Probably the last thing that's been making headlines recently is the situation between Russia and Ukraine. It doesn't seem to be as big of a market mover recently as it was several months ago um, because the trade's just become comfortable with this situation. Um, And unfortunately, it's just viewed as normal now. Um, They had come to an agreement last summer to provide a safe passage for exports out of three of the Ukraine ports um, for about 120 days. Since then, they've extended that agreement a few times. Each time we kind of come up to that expiration date, it goes back and forth between they're going to extend the agreement and they're not. And it seems like um, in those last couple days right before expiration, they do end up extending it. Um, Russia keeps claiming that they don't want to extend the agreement because they don't feel they're being treated fairly in the deal. Um, Inspections will halt for a couple days, um, but then in the end, they end up extending it and exports continue to flow. Um, So the trades just become comfortable with the fact that Russia will, in the end, extend the agreement. Um, In the last couple months, we've had some delays in shipping times. So Ukraine's developed some alternative land routes for some of those exports, which created some tensions with some of the territories they travel through. Um, If we would see an extended disruption to this shipping agreement, it could push some export potential back to the U.S., which could be supportive mainly to corn and wheat. The current agreement set to expire this Thursday, May 18th. Um, So far, there's not been a whole lot of chatter about it this week, so we'll see how that shakes out this time. So you mentioned China and the potential that they could still cancel some of those future contracts. How does does that impact the markets when they cancel those contracts? Well, typically what will happen is each week um, on Thursday, we get what the total export sales were. Um, So if we have... Um, a couple export sales announcements, but then we have cancellations. Sometimes that'll equate to a net cancellation at the end of that week. So we actually see more, we see less export sales and more corn go back into our ending stocks numbers. So even though Centera isn't shipping grain per se directly to China, it'll still have an impact on the market. So typically when we see something like that happen, it does pressure the prices and push things lower because it's building our corn stocks in less demand. Where does Centera ship most of our grain? Um, Well, we have three facilities that have rail capabilities. So uh, Mansfield can load unit trains, which is typically around 85 cars. And they uh, load all three commodities on rail cars, ship into locations in the southeastern states or out to Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland. Um, they can hit the NS or CSX lines. Uh, Grafton has the ability to hold up to about 18 cars, 
and they are strictly CSX, and they typically ship to the uh, northeastern states like Connecticut. Um, they also have the ability to load shipping containers that go overseas um, to destinations such as Malaysia, Taiwan, Vietnam, Indonesia, and China. Um, there's probably some others in there that I, I'm not aware of. Um, Smithville has the ability to hold about four rail cars. They are directly on the Wheeling and Lake Erie, um, so they ship to the local feed mills, um, or they can go up to the bean processor, processor in Bellevue. Uh, the rest of our facilities are all truck houses, um, so you know we'll truck grain to the ethanol plant um, in Pennsylvania or ethanol plant here um, in Marion. Um, and some local feed mills and then we've got some other people that'll come in and pick up grain from us so if a customer wants to sell centera grain does it have to come to one of our facilities or can that customer ship it directly to an end user no we can do we do have a program a direct ship program to those processors um you know typically the processors obviously will have a little bit better bid just because they don't have that extra freight involved to take it out to another location so we do offer direct ship program to various locations. So you mentioned your focus is on the grain origination. As you help customers put together a grain marketing plan, but what are some of the keys to a successful grain marketing plan? Uh, well, the first and most important thing you need to know is your cost of production, um, and I can't stress that enough. If you don't know your true cost of production, um, then when you're marketing grain, you really have no idea if you're marketing at a profitable level. Um, so once you know that, you know, we can sit down and establish a plan to execute contracts, put targets in place, um, use options, and develop strategies to try to maximize your profit potential. Not everyone has the same objectives and um, every operation has different situations. Um, so not every marketing plan will work for every farm. So um, we've had people that will be happy to sit down with anyone that wants to, to discuss their needs and develop a marketing plan. Um, and work toward a, a plan to customize and meet their needs through through the season. So what kind of marketing advice do you have for those folks that are still holding on to grain on farm? Uh, well, don't get too bullish. We just saw some historically high prices over the past marketing year, um, and the old saying is high prices cure high prices. So we're looking at some big acres from the planting intentions report. Um, obviously, weather will dictate if we hit those numbers or not. Um, but my guess is that the corn acres probably come down a little bit. Uh, bean acres probably go up a little bit, given what the upper Midwest is experiencing. Um, but regardless, we're on target for a big U.S. crop with the right weather, um, and that coming behind a huge Brazil crop and very little demand. Um, so without a major weather event or some big increase in demand, it's going to be tough to justify prices much higher. So for corn specifically, as you look into your crystal ball into the future, where do you see that going? Um, well, given what we know today, there's probably a good chance that we dip below $5 futures for December 23. Um, we're sitting around 513 this morning, so we don't have too far to go. What about soybeans? Uh, beans, we probably see that pressured somewhere. Uh, I'm going to say we probably get futures down in the 1150 to $12 area is my guess. Um, there's a lot of concern with the big Brazilian crop, how long the tail is on that crop and how much it cuts into our export program. So um, if we do see bean acres go up, we have good growing season weather and we end up with a big bean crop. Um, our, our export window with Brazil's big crop and, and cutting into our exports, our export window could shrink a little bit. So it could pressure beans for a little bit. So if you've got grain in the bin, 
get it hauled now before it goes out of condition and gets bugs? Yes, yes, especially if we end up having a hot summer like they're forecasting. How do farmers get in touch with you if they have any grain marketing questions? Um, the best way is probably to call the main grain line, um, 1-800-472-4644. Um, you can get in touch with any of the grain buyers that way. Um, you can also get us by email. Our emails are all available on the Sentara website. Um, and we're always happy to, you know, come sit down with you on the farm. Um, if you've got a group of friends interested in marketing ideas, um, we can do a small group um, with marketing ideas or education. Um, those are nice because it, it usually, it's a group that's comfortable with each other and they're not afraid to ask questions in front of the group and can sometimes uh, lead to some better uh, conversations so, and answer some more questions. Phone, email, however. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. This will conclude our first episode of Insights in Terra. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for listening to the Insights in Terra podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review to help others find the show. Also, follow us on Facebook and share with your friends. This episode was hosted by Don Daniels, Chief Operating Officer with Sentara Co-op and produced by yours truly, Jen Warden. A special thanks to Susie Spettle for joining us today. For more information, visit us at www.senteracoop.com. <laughs>